Hey y'all, welcome to Wild Confidence. I'm your host, Ainsley B, and I can't wait to share with you some amazing guests on this season of the podcast. Our goal here is to help one another find, keep, and share our wild confidence in Christ. I'm so thankful you're joining us, and if you love the episode today, I'd be so grateful if you left a review or shared it with a friend. All right, all right, let's hop in. I can't wait to meet our guest today. Y'all are in for a treat today. Lindsay Maestas is host of the top-ranking faith-based podcast, The Living Easy with Lindsay Podcast. She is the creator of The Wife Project, From Roommates to Soulmates, Biblical Study, which has helped women in nearly every country of the world, what, to deepen their faith and strengthen the joy in marriages worldwide. She and her husband recently created the popular course, The Intimacy Project, for couples to help married couples thrive emotionally, spiritually, and physically. She is such a like ray of sunshine that just carries so much truth. And I so enjoyed our conversation. I do want to give a trigger warning. Um, there is mention of sexual assault and rape. So if that feels too heavy for you, please skip it or listen with someone that you feel like is a safe place for you. All right, y'all let's dive into our conversation. I cannot wait for you to meet Lindsay. Lindsay, welcome to Wild Confidence. How are you today? I am doing great. I am chugging some coffee and I'm trying to do low sugar coffee now. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment, an adjustment. And, but I'm, I'm taking it. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing okay. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good. Uh, actually on that note, monk fruit is if you don't use monk fruit, I've never tried 10 it. out of 10 recommend okay. whenever you're trying to make that transition, because it's a way more natural, you know, sugar source. And it's, 200 times sweeter than sugar. So it takes, you know, half the amount, just a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I will try that because I'm, I'm suffering, <laughs> Like, but I know my body does not respond well to sugar. So I'm trying to weed things out, but coffee is, it's just, it's my thing. Like not even that yeah. it gives me so much energy. I just look forward to it. It's my treat. The ritual, the like, yeah. Cozy yeah, comfort the feeling. of it. Yeah. Totally. Try that out. I'm insulin okay. resistant. So I am oh, all okay. about you know, yeah, trying to find the healthy factors. things that yeah. don't yeah, spike Thanks. sugar. I will. Of course. Okay. <laughs> so I'm so excited to talk to you. I've heard your name before. I've heard so many great things about you talking to you for 15 minutes. I'm like, I already just love your guts. So, <laughs> I love your guts too. <laughs> I'm so excited to dive into like the meat and potatoes of my yes. questions and something that you well, actually pause. I'm going to go back because there's something that I read about you that I'm like, okay, I need to know more about this. Cause I read that you love spicy food and oh, heck yes. <laughs> I need to know like what your favorite is because you know, Louisiana spicy food is our thing. So yeah. let's talk about that. Okay. So <laughs> I would challenge that they are very different spice levels. And so it would be for so sure. fun for you to try. Well, and not that one is better than the other. It's just a different spice. So They're totally different. Yeah. I had a boss from Louisiana and she used to come. So I'm from New Mexico Amazing. and New Mexico have, they have red and green chili. Have you ever uh -huh. heard of that? Okay. Yeah. So they do like the hatch green and yep. then the roasted red. And I actually have a reel on my Instagram, living easy with Lindsay making the red chili. And my sister sent me with a ton of pods to Nashville because I can't be without it. So I would say huevos rancheros is my favorite. And I load it up with red and green on top, which is tortilla, mm. beans, hash browns, eggs, 
and then like chopped onion. And it's my absolute favorite food. Um, I love carne adovada, which is just pork, like roasted in red chili. I love queso with tons of green. I just, I love food. (laughs) I love spicy food. And there's somewhere here in Franklin. Yes. There's somewhere here in Franklin called Sopapillas and the chef is from New Mexico. So it is just the real stuff, which we go there probably once a week because it's so good. And I'm having to learn (laughs) to like, just cook more of it at home. Yeah. We crave it. But yeah, I'll do, which is really, really unhealthy, like tortilla chips with there's this, oh, what is the name of it? It's like Maria's or something, habanero hot sauce on top. And then there's this like ghost pepper barbecue sauce that I just, I could eat it all day. It's okay, like this that's endorphin amazing. rush. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like, no, I feel like I've heard spicy food like does, I don't does. know. It's like a dopamine hit or something. Yeah. Maybe that's why Louisiana people are so happy. Maybe. (laughs) I feel like generally we're just a happy group of people. I love that. Um, But I do agree with you. It's totally different spices. Like even thinking about like Indian food, that is a Mm. totally different spice than a Louisiana kind of of thing. What is your, what what spice do you love? I mean, the spice that I'm thinking of that I literally put on everything is Tony Sachery's. I've but, never heard of that. Oh, it's good. It's kind of like a spice mix. You know, it has like that salt and pepper and cayenne and like a bunch of different stuff kind of all thrown together. Oh, but okay. It's something that you can put on everything. Okay. Which I love. Have you heard of slap your mama? It's so vulgar. Yeah, it's similar. Is it similar? Just, okay. Uh-huh. We use that on everything too. Yes. Okay. The same thing pretty much. Yeah. But I a agree. It's mix. like a different feeling because you got me on a topic I could talk about forever. So, cause with <laughs> Nashville hot chicken, like my family can eat hot, like we eat ghost pepper and stuff. Like we can eat hot, but when you go Nashville hot chicken, it's almost like a head heat. Like you get a little dizzy yeah. if you're eating the really hot, hot chicken, which, oh my gosh, I could eat Hattie B's all day, but you get the hot, like almost dizzy feeling. Whereas New Mexican chili is mouth hot. Like your yes. mouth is on fire. Yeah. Yep. I was about anyway. to say that. <laughs> I was about to say it's almost it's different where you feel the spice like mm-hmm. with your head or your uh, mouth. I find that I feel like Louisiana is more also like in the nose. Like my nose is just constantly running when I'm having training spicy crawfish <laughs> or something. Yeah. Oh, that sounds oh so gosh. good. I'm just hungry right now. I could eat. <laughs> no, I missed lunch because I got caught up talking to some strangers in a grocery store. And so <laughs> now I'm like, okay, now I know I have like I have to eat something good for lunch. Okay. I, love that. I love it so much. So I have heard just such amazing things about you, like I said before. And I want to hear just like a snippet of your story and how you started just sharing so much of your life with people online and just kind of hear your heart behind it. Yeah. Um, also there is a man mowing my lawn in front. So I'm sorry if you can hear that. Hear <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So it has been a really cool journey. I'm on almost eight years and it's been pretty crazy actually now to look back at the transitions and the changes that have happened because I started everything as a hobby. I was a mama. I had severe postpartum anxiety, depression, thought I was just a really bad mom. Like I wasn't correlating the two at all. And I would say Mm -hmm. eight years ago, it wasn't as much of a discussion. Um, And I felt severely afraid of my child. So now I look back, like in the moment, it felt normal. But as I look back, I was afraid of putting him in the car seat. I thought I was going to break his bones. 
I, my husband would tell me he had to go to work the next day and the whole night I wouldn't sleep because him leaving meant like I was alone and therefore I would hurt my, not that I thought, not that I wanted to hurt my child. I just thought it was inevitable that I was going to fail and hurt him. And, um, he would nap for hours. Like he was the best napper. And I wish I could go back and appreciate it because he would sleep for three hours spurts, eat, and then go back to bed for another three hours. He slept through the night at one month old and it did never stop. Like he, what? yes, I know he was a dream, but I didn't appreciate any of it because anytime he woke up, I was in panic mode and all I had to do is feed him. It was so simple, but I mean, anxiety doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I finally, I I've always written, like I, I, majored in journalism. I have worked for magazines. I, that was just my passion. I used to write books when I was like five years old, um, books, quote unquote books, but I, I (laughs) have just loved it. And so I started writing about my anxiety and my first blog post ever was dear moms. Have you ever felt this way? And it was more of just an outlet. Like I need to share something. And I was terrified because sharing that with the world when, especially I'm like an Enneagram three, you want to be thought of as you have it all together. You're an achiever, but I Mm -hmm. was at a point where I was almost just like pleading for help. And so I shared it and it resonated with a lot of people. Um, I would say I've always just been like a, an open book. I have no shame since I became a believer. I will say that I used to have a lot of secrets, a lot of shame since I became a believer. It was like, Lindsay, you share all the mess because you're a total creep. You're depraved, you're a sinner. And all of that is okay because you have grace. And so mm-hmm. like, I just live in that freedom because I lived so long in, in secrecy. Um, so I That's started awesome. sharing that and it got picked up by some magazines. And then I was like, okay, I can keep sharing. So I started sharing about kind of friendships and toxic friendships and kind of what the world says is toxic, but also let me clarify. The world says that hard friendships are toxic and get away from them. And I would agree that that is the case for many, but I also would agree that we are people who are not always willing to self-evaluate. And so that kind of became the premise of everything I do is self-evaluation, self-examination. Like don't always point fingers. Yes, you can. And you can create healthy boundaries. I'm all about boundaries, but also like we've got a lot of junk in our hearts. So let's figure it out. So I started writing and then one of the main posts that I've written that kind of blew up and started the progression of everything was, um, a post that was called for the girl who wished she hadn't. And a lot of the publications and magazines changed the title of it, but essentially it was about my testimony, which was that I used to, I was raped when I was 14. I speak really openly about it now because I've spoken about it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was forceful. It was aggressive. And then nothing was done about it. Even though I told a lot of people in my life, it was more of the thought of like, Lindsay, we won't win against this family and who's going to believe a 14 year old girl. Um, so we're going to just pretend it didn't happen. And Mm. I am still dealing with a lot of that trauma. I laugh about it, but I'm in counseling regularly. It's, it's, it's one thing to be assaulted. It's another thing to not be believed to not be or backed up or yeah. I mean, there, there, I did like a rape kit. I did all, I had the proof. Um, it was more of like, we don't want to handle this. Like we, and for the people that you love the most to respond that way is a very jarring thing. And so that's created a lot of like distrust and things, but I progressed from that point, like, okay, 
if I don't have value, if nobody really cares about this being a thing, like sex being a thing, then I'm going to just have sex. And so mm-hmm. I started anytime I was in a relationship, I felt obligated. Like it was this kind of mental thing that I think the rape had created and or assault, whatever anyone has gone through. It creates this mental stigma or brokenness where it says, this is what men want. This is all that men want. And therefore I will give it to them. Otherwise they're going to leave. And I was terrified of being alone. And so I'm patching my heart with all these broken pieces and trying to make it feel whole when it wasn't. And so, um, I slept around. I was always drinking. I was always causing drama with my friends. I was cheated on. I cheated on people. And then I know met Jesus and it was just the most incredible thing. I remember putting on a, um, purity ring and it wasn't the ring itself, right? It was the symbolism of like everything that you've done under the gospel and under the love of Jesus, it's washed white as snow. It's wiped clean. And for me who felt like that, cause I would, I would sleep with a guy and I'd cry and I wanted to leave. Like I hated it, but I continued it because I didn't want them to leave me. I was so lonely and I was preparing. I had a boyfriend and I would have another guy on the back burner. Like I had no identity, but being in a relationship, I was so dependent. And so I put that purity ring on and it was after I'd heard the gospel. It was after I had surrendered my life to Jesus. It was after I just was like, okay, God help because I am broken. I am a mess. Just, I just need your help. And it was incredible how quickly he changed my heart, my life. Um, I started calling people that I had betrayed for years and just apologizing on the phone. And I can tell you that most wow. of those people were like, what is happening? Yeah. Right Who now? Are and I'm you? like, I met Jesus and I've bullied you for years. And I'm so it was a very, very wild experience. Wow. Um, but that parody ring was, I just put it on and I remember being in my car. And I just sobbed, like I hysterically cried. I'm not a big crier, but it was the most freeing thing. And again, it wasn't the ring. It was the symbol of in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's your heart. That's your life. That's your purity. So then my husband and I decided, my now husband decided to wait for intimacy. And it was really hard because Mm -hmm. that's how I knew love. Like that was, I didn't ever enjoy it. It was just, it was how I knew love. So he would shove me off of him because he he was like, no, I know what is, what God calls us to. I know what God wants for you. And I value you and love you too much to have sex with you right now. And I'm like knowing Jesus, but battling this feeling of, I just want to feel wanted by you. Mm -hmm. But I mean, he stopped spending time with me alone. Like we had to do things in group. It was very, because you're used to a certain pattern and of course, yeah. God makes things new, but you also have to separate yourself from the temptation. So we waited and it was like truly the most beautiful gift. I think he ever could have given me. Um, I think I would have deeply regretted like getting into that and not that people can't be healed from that and that God can't redeem that as well. Of course. But it was just something I needed in him for him to say, like, you are more valuable to me than this. And he's carried that throughout our entire marriage. So with all that said, that was my main, like my story. And it blew up. It went like focus on the family and Caleb and all these places. And I was so thankful, so intimidated 
and so embarrassed and ashamed still navigating that like, oh, wow, the world is reading this. And of course you read yeah. the comments and you're like, holy smokes, that yeah, is course. brutal. Um, but I, I felt so much freedom sharing it. It was like a weight lifted off. And then that progressed, my blogging progressed into podcasting and I do the living easy podcast. Now I had the milk and honey podcast before, and then now I'm selling courses. And that's been like my heart with, again, the self-examination of the wife project from roommates to soulmates. And just like, it's very easy to point fingers at our husbands, but the wife project says, sure. Yes. Your husband is going to fail, but like, what can you work on? What are some areas of your life? And then we do the sex and intimacy project and I teach business coaching. So that's kind of like, it's all in, in a nutshell, but um, it's, yeah, it's shifted to things I never would have expected. And it's been a really, really neat experience. So you really, you have a lot of free time and you don't have much to do is what. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> that is my counselor is regularly telling me, Lindsay, you may be the busiest person I know. No, that is yeah. Incredible. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I love it so much. I mean, I, it's one of those, you have one of those testimonies in those stories. It's like, I totally hate that it happened, but yeah. it's so 100% something that unfortunately is um, common and leads to an emotional struggle that you can now speak to as a whole and healed person for those people who are not quite whole and healed yet, mm -hmm. especially going into marriage or in marriage and not sure how to be whole and healed. Mm -hmm. So I'm so thankful for the work that you're doing and for your transparency, because as an Enneagram coach, I know how incredibly, oh, <laughs> oh it's so fun, but like, I'm hearing you and I'm hearing you say that you're a three and I'm like, your growth is blowing my mind. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and I'm, That's and encouraging. I'm tooting your horn, but I'm serious because yeah. I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, it's, and it sounds like you might have a little bit of a two wing. Mm -hmm. So when these things you're, that you're saying, I'm just like, wow, like the work that you've done is truly, truly like you're seeing the fruit. You're obviously very connected to the vine and that fruit is, you know, nourishing other people and you being that vessel is super, super encouraging. And I'm just very thankful for the work that you're doing. Quick question for you. Have you ever dated a boo-boo dude? <laughs> if you don't know what that is, don't worry. A boo-boo dude is someone who leaves you on red, leaves you on the back burner, or leaves you wondering where you stand with them as a manipulation tactic. These kind of relationships can be you know, anything from just unhealthy all the way to straight up abusive and you need to get out. So how do you identify this? What does that look like? All of this information and more, especially including how to help a friend who might be in one of these relationships is in the book that I put out recently called Don't Date a Boo-Boo Dude. It is found anywhere books are sold, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, you know, all the places, all the things. I would love if you picked up the copy today and send me a message. Tell me what you think about it. And remember, don't date a boo-boo dude. And I want to hear more about the wife project because yeah. I know that, you know, I talk to young women all the time. I actually was talking to one the other day about, she's like a similar story. And she's like, I just want to be married now. I want to be married now. And I think that there's so many things that she probably has to work out before she realizes that 
the wedding versus the marriage part of the whole thing, especially when it comes to sex, especially when it comes to intimacy, when that is something that maybe was weaponized or uh, attached to hurt prior. And then now is um, she's wanting it and, and everyone is wanting it to be something beautiful and restorative. So knowing that that's something that you found, I would love to hear more about the wife project and your marriage resources. So tell me about that a little bit. Okay. I believe so strongly that our society is very heavily focused on waiting for the next best thing. And Mm -hmm. this is something that I speak to a lot because as a Christian, especially within the church, it's like, well, don't have sex, therefore get married really young. While I'm not opposed to getting married young, my husband and I got married at 21 and we've been married 11 years and are so happy. Like I genuinely, truly love my marriage. We're best friends. He's my best friend. He's like my, he's my person and it's wonderful. But I've met a lot of people who got married for the sake of sex. And I will say that getting married for sex is like buying an airplane for the peanuts. It is such a small portion of <laughs> such your a marriage. Good analogy. <laughs> it is because oh it gosh. is this massive life investment, right? But then you have this teeny, tiny little portion, which is very, I mean, we have a whole course on sex and intimacy. It's a very important aspect of it. However, it is such a, a minimal thing when it comes to the uh, gravity of what else you're going to deal with, like finances yes. and parenting children, little humans and yes. raising them up together and managing a home together. And I always tell girls. And so if there's any single girls listening, I'm actually creating a premarital and newlywed course right now. And I'm so excited about it, Amazing. but it's, it's not ready yet. But, um, one of the things that I talk about is the importance of asking the really, really hard questions in advance to ensure that you're ready. And also listening to people who you've led in your life and actually listening to them. So mm-hmm. what do you think about this? Do you feel that this is a good decision for me? Do you feel that this is like a person that I should invest my time and life into and actually hear them because they see things differently than you do when you're in that stage of just wanting. But the truth is, is that you're going to go into a relationship with somebody and you have to imagine, this is my encouragement, that if you're about to marry someone and, or, or you're wanting to get engaged, you need to expect them to be that exact same person for the rest of their lives. The expectations that we have for people to grow and to change as soon as they say, I do. And even if you don't actually think that there is some level of like, well, they probably won't leave their dishes out like that once they're an adult or like once they're a little <laughs> bit older, or once we have a home together, they're not going to leave their peanut butter knife on the counter. That's a lie. They are going <laughs> to leave their peanut butter knife for life. <laughs> just yes. for that. And if they are scrolling through Instagram and liking girls' photos or following Instagram models who are wearing next to nothing, they're going to do that for the rest of their lives. And it may even progress into something else. And, and this is not to say that God's redemption cannot happen. I have seen it in my own marriage, the struggles that we face, how God has healed so many things. But the danger is going into the marriage, expecting that if the person you're dating right now is the exact same person, the same cleanliness, the same financial wisdom or lack thereof, the same lust struggles, 
the same anger issues, if all of those things remain the same when they become your husband, when they become the parent of your children, when they become a grandfather, if you're okay with them saying the same, marry that person. But if you have the expectation for change, you're setting yourself up for essentially like unhappiness or a potential divorce. If that is something that you allow, because you're really not doing the work when it needs to be done. The work needs to be done when you're dating, because once you hit marriage, like that's the person you've committed your life to. So make the wise decisions when you're dating and don't settle just because you feel like it's time for the peanuts. I want to have sex. You're committing to something so much bigger. And then the truth is you're going to get married and then you're going to be waiting for kids. Then you're going to be waiting for a career to take off. And then you're going to be waiting to retire. And then it's, it's your, you're going to wait your life away. And I don't Mm -hmm. want people to like, I just am so about like, don't live comfortably. Don't live in stagnancy. Don't wait for things. Just live in contentment now. If you can learn to do that when you're single or when you're longing for a child, if you can learn to just rest in Jesus, it absolutely changes everything because then you're going to feel a sense of joy and purpose just for being his, just for being God's versus always thinking you need to hit that next level of life, whatever that might be. Yeah. I always tell people the question marks don't change. Like Mm -hmm. there's always these like question marks above people's heads. Right. And Mm -hmm. maybe whenever you're in college, it's like, what am I going to do when I graduate? Who am I going to marry? Whatever. But like I'm married with a kid and a career, and I still have so many question marks hanging above my head. They're just different than what they were five, 10 years ago. And who do you want next to you to help answer those question marks? Yeah. That is, is so it good. Well, the guy oh, you're God. dating or not? Yeah. <laughs> or is it the better yeah. version of him that you hope he's going to be? Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it is like people go in, I think, especially in our world now, and this is where the wife project really comes in because when I post anything about Jesse and I, like I posted a video that went completely viral. I think it has like 20 something million views. Holy and God. you can imagine again, the comments on those. Yes. And all it was, was a video saying, when you get into a fight with your spouse and then the next morning you have to take the kids to a zoo birthday party, like nothing happened. And like, it's just like this awkward kind of moment. And it was just so real that I was like, this is not so really something I would share because I want everyone to think everything's okay. But I've been challenging myself with that with the last few years and it blew up and there were people who were really encouraging, but then there were people who were like, just divorce him. It's not going to go anywhere. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you're brushing it under the rug. I know. Well, that is the thing. And I read comments all the time on relationship stuff when someone's complaining about a struggle and it's like, just leave him, leave him now, or it's going to get worse. And, and yes, I mean, abuse, I'm not speaking to abuse, but of course, yeah. when it comes to just difficulties, we have got to take some ownership of, okay, we are part of the problem. And I just believe that if we want to have a healthier marriage. It can begin with us as women. We can set the tone of our homes, but that comes with a heart that is so focused on Jesus that you're not rocked by your spouse and and you're not relying upon them for your peace, for your sanity, for your hope, for your joy. That's not their responsibility. It is going to wear you out and wear him out. If you're mm-hmm. constantly hoping for him to fulfill that piece of you, that is between you and Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so within the wife project, I talk about 
all kinds of things. Like, are you a crown or a thorn? Um, and that discusses like being a nagging wife. And that doesn't always mean like, did you do this? Did you do this? Did you do this? It's no, there are frustrations there because you both have strengths and weaknesses, but you're expecting your spouse to have the same strengths as you or the same weaknesses. So what if, and I use workbook pages for this, what if you come together and determine what those strengths and weaknesses are and how you can filter that into your home so that it's a more peaceful environment and how to argue well and how to become best friends again, like the types of dates and relationships to build upon so that your, your friendship is stronger. Um, we talk about the little foxes in the marriage. There's just so many things. And when we get right with Jesus, there's no choice, but for that to flow out onto our marriage and for them to see the difference in our hearts. So I do videos, um, just like teachings and share a lot of like my junk, you know, betrayal, feeling like navigating forgiveness, pornography in the marriage, which are things that we've struggled with and how to overcome those things, but also just how to trust and to lean into the Lord. And then there's like conversation starters and, and date night ideas and journaling pages and memory verses just to strength. Like my heart is yes, marriage is important, but essentially like, it's just fine. Like marriage is just fine. It's not meant to be glorified into this magnificent thing. Yes. It, it's going to just be fine. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not always going to be this great grand thing. Like some days you just are walking alongside this person. Like, all right, we are waking up next to each other. I don't even know if I like you today, but yeah. like I'm going to choose to love you and I'm going to focus on Jesus because that is where my eternal purpose is. Like that is where it lasts. But also we're responsible for little children if you have kids and they are yeah. watching how you argue, how you communicate, how you don't communicate, how you treat other people, how you let people into your home. And so I just like to challenge people to step up and to say, okay, where can I take ownership? Because as we begin to take ownership, we will see the fruit of our spouse. Because one thing I really encourage is praising your partner instead of like criticizing the way they do things. So say yes. Jesse loads the yeah. dishwasher wrong. And I want to say, oh my gosh, I've told you five times how to put the bowls. Like they don't go like this. Yeah. <laughs> instead, <laughs> And yes, maybe it's praising the bare minimum. Who cares? Let yourself praise the bare minimum. Thank you so much for loading the dishwasher. My husband is a servant. He's he's a better homemaker than I am. But <laughs> like I, I will praise that instead of criticizing because when we speak life into our spouse, it absolutely changes the chemical response in their brain. The more you criticize their parenting, their homemaking, their career, their looks, whatever it is, they are going to come to a place where they tune you out. They want nothing to do with that. Who does? Who wants yeah. to be criticized forever? Yeah. However, if you say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for working so hard for our family. I've seen how much effort you've put in, even if they're not doing as great as they used to, or thank you so much for sweeping the floors today. That was huge for me. Or thank you for taking the kids for 15 minutes to the park. You have no idea how much I needed that. Those little things, when you want to criticize, replace it with praise and watch your spouse step up to the plate and mm -hmm. to respond to that with more because mm -hmm. you're speaking life. You're not spitting poison. When you spit poison, you are just going to get to a point where your marriage starts to fall apart. It's just yeah. the reality of it. Absolutely. 
the most common dating question I get is, what do you think about apps? And I wanna tell you about my favorite dating app to refer people to. It's called Salt. So it's free to use. And unlike other Christian dating apps, it's made by Christians for Christians. So you can go in knowing that you already have the most important thing in common your faith and values. Y'all, I personally have not only met the team, but I have two close friends who can really speak to the validity of this app. And they say it takes some of the cringe out of those conversations. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and you can download Salt from App or Play Store. And after creating your profile, use code WILD for six weeks free premium. This is for US and Canada only. And please DM me to let me know how you like it because admittedly, I'm over-invested in your dating lives. <laughs> and I, I really do believe that this is a step forward in getting back to healthy dating. So y'all check Salt out and don't forget to use code WILD. And going off of what you were talking about with this self-reflection, a lot of times I've noticed if I am thinking or saying something critical, it's usually something that I were t- was telling myself earlier or something mm-hmm. like that, like a narrative that I was already playing in my head that just kind of spilled out of me because mm-hmm. that's what was in me. And mm-hmm. so it's not even, sometimes I don't even mean it. And, and it, I mean, I'm even, I'm not, I don't Are do you this with like- the dishwasher because oh. I, <laughs> well, only because I am, I don't want him to stop doing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, if I, if I criticize enough, he's going to be like, all right, you do it. But That's, with, yes, with everything. Yeah. But with something else, I'm thinking like something maybe with Goldie, he would do something that I would have done differently. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. Spending time with her, cleaning her room, going, doing something dangerous, whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that I even like how I'm talking to him can be like, I can't believe you did this. But that's something that I usually would say to myself about something that I did earlier. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe you, I can't believe you fed her this Mm -hmm. knowing that it would, it's not healthy or knowing Mm -hmm. that it's, you know, you want to have positive, you know, oh, there's so much pressure to have positive association with foods and making sure, Mm -hmm. making sure we say the right thing and do the right thing. And so whenever I'm like, okay. I said that to myself, then when I see Justin do something that I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. Then it just comes out of me. And I say something critical to him about that. And he's like, what? Like, why, mm-hmm. why, why do you, mm-hmm. and I'm like, That's such it's a good not point. him. It's not yeah. something that he did wrong. It's an, a narrative that I was playing in my own head that spilled out. And I don't even know if that makes sense. No, but it does. It does. Well, and insecurity, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think that it's, it's led by guilt and lies. And, yeah. and I always hear people say like, don't speak to yourself in a way that you wouldn't speak to your best friend. Yes. And like, how could you do that? Or why would you do that? Or, but it is easy when that becomes our rhetoric and we mm-hmm. allow it to flow out onto our spouse. But I would agree. I mean, I think so much of it is taking thoughts captive when we're allowing that guilt to seep in and just saying, this is from the enemy. This is not from the Lord. I I tend to write down like my most common lies, I believe, and then I'll Mm -hmm. replace them with scriptural truth. It just helps me to visually see it. But equally, I've noticed like recently, I I teach on intimacy and like, I know how important it is to be intimate regularly. Mm-hmm. And yet when I, like lately I've been feeling so insecure, I've gained like 12 pounds in the past six months, which my body's always stayed like relatively the same aside from pregnancy. So it's jarring to me, 
yeah. I'm just getting older. I'm 33 now. Like it just yeah. changes, but also I've started on an antidepressant uh, medication and it says like this can happen. Yeah. And so I'm navigating my own insecurities with my body and I find myself taking that out on my husband. And yes. what I mean by that is like, I am frustrated with myself when I look in the mirror. Therefore I walk into the kitchen and I pinpoint something he's doing and I make a comment about it because it's yes. like, I'm trying to replace the feelings of shame and almost putting them on him. And really how you want something with that? you. You want something yeah. with you. You misery yeah. loves company, right? You're like, exactly. If I'm going to be down, you're going to be down. Yeah. And it's and so then, unloving. Like, yeah. And then it so destroys hard. intimacy. Yeah. Cause then well, you're yeah, like, because... well, I don't want to have sex now. Yeah. And he's like, no. I don't want to have sex with you either. <laughs> you are a witch today. You can, <laughs> you can stay far away. Really. I tell myself that, but, but yeah, it does like do then it builds. So it's like, okay, that one comment that like creates a little division for the day. It's those little foxes I talk about in the wife project. It creates that little division. And then you make another comment as they're leaving. And then they come to give you a kiss goodbye. And you're feeling gross about yourself or ugly or frustrated or overwhelmed by the kitchen, whatever it is that is in your head in that moment. And you give them a small kiss or you like turn your cheek or you just say bye. So then you've added another wedge. And as you add these wedges throughout the day, you get to the bedroom where there's been little to no connection throughout the day. And you need those small intimacies. This is something I teach on a lot. Like you need the hold the handholding. You need to greet one another at the door, looking one another in the eyes and giving a kiss every single day, because it's so easy to be like, Hey, can you grab the kids? Hey, can you get the mail? Hey, da, 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 da. And instead of seeing one another and stopping, but when you do that, and then when you kiss for six seconds, they say our brain, it takes six seconds for it to fully process. You kiss for six seconds. You do all of these things by the end of of the night, you're like, heck yeah, like, let's yeah. go, let's get the kids down for bed, hang out yeah. and go and have fun. But when the wedges have been built, you then create this massive wall that follows you into the bedroom mm. and you go to sleep feeling resentful at one another because you know that you need to be intimate. You know, it's been a little while, whatever, but you build on that instead of saying, Hey, I am dealing with this, my insecurities, I'm dealing with it. And I'll go to Jesse on my healthy days and I'll say, I just need you to know I'm frustrated, but it has nothing to do with you. I looked in the mirror. I saw this. I felt this. I'm overwhelmed. I've been working out. It's not doing anything. And we actually had this conversation last night and I'm like, it's (laughs) not that I don't want to be intimate. It's that I don't even want you to touch me. And it gives him the opportunity to say, Wow, so good to know because I thought you were annoyed at me all day. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's not you. I should have communicated this sooner. But also, babe, like I think you're beautiful and I could care less about the extra whatever poundage. Like I'm just thankful to have you in my bed and I'm so thankful you're my wife. Like, and I know not every husband communicates in that way, but it builds me up to be like, oh, wait, I am. I'm just in my head. I thought today you thought I was the ugliest human being in the world because I convinced myself of that. And here you are telling me, I've not even thought twice. I thought you actually looked really pretty this morning. You know, it's just, we believe so many lies and the enemy just filters, filters. And then the wedge is built. And once it gets to a point where it's a pride thing, like, no, I'm not going to give my body to you. You didn't do the dishes today. No, I'm not going to give my body to you. You weren't present. You came home late whatever it is, we hold, we, we take it as like, um, we're withholding from them and the enemy gets a foothold, but it's almost like we're doing it 
out of spite and to like pride ourselves. But the reality is, is that if we lose or if our spouse loses, we both lose because the marriage then has a gap. So we have to get the enemy out of that and communicate healthfully and have those really hard conversations of vulnerability to say, this is where I'm at. And I'm sorry. Like sometimes I'll just text him in the morning and be like, I, you left the house and I was not loving to you. And I'm so sorry. Here's why it's not an excuse. And I'm repenting of it, but please know it's not you or, Hey, I just felt kind of frustrated because just peanut butter knife. Can you tell yeah. this is a frustration <laughs> in my life? You left the peanut butter knife on the freaking countertop again. Can you pick it up next time? And he'll be like, yeah. send me a funny gift or something and be like, yes, yeah. I'll work on it. But then it just, it mellows it, you know, rather than sure. feeding into it all day. Yeah. I mean, something that I have to remind myself anytime that I think about his ginormous shoes, just littering the floor because I trip on them every time because they're like a size freaking 14 or 15. Like the man, are they really? Yes. He's six, eight. He's huge. Six, eight. How old? How giant human. I'm only five, four. Oh my gosh. Wow. I need to look at your pictures. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You'll, well, there's barely any that show our height because we can't fit in the same picture. So if we take a selfie, it's like we have to sit down. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's anyway, so funny. Every time that I want to be frustrated, the, the phrase I have to tell myself is the devil is in the division. Yes. So anytime that we are divided, the devil, like you said, he, he has a so good. The devil is in the my dog just made a noise. The devil is in the division. The devil is in the division. But sometimes I'm like, the devil is in the division and, and also in his shoes. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're such a, my daughter tripped on him the other day and I was like, see, see it's see? not just me. It is a hazard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Just, so he doesn't, he say he doesn't respond to that. Right. And he, he keeps putting his shoes out. How do you handle that? Or leaving his shoes out? Oh, that's a good question. I think, well, I'm trying to think of, um, I mean, lately I've kind of just been putting them myself because I was, I kind of said it jokingly at first, like, okay, I'm tripping up. And then sometimes it happened in the night and then I would wake him up and because I would be yelling (laughs) like, oh my gosh, your shoe. You'd be like, what? And I'm like, I just tripped over it. You need to wake up and suffer with me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then Goldie tripped on it. So then I think at that point I was like, okay, I really, really, truly need you to help me out, move your shoes and at least put them in a little nook or something. And then he would be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, I'll work on that. But not after a long road of frustration mm-hmm. before I vocalized, yeah. you know, and, and something that I think we're getting better at is vocalizing. Like you're talking about on the forefront, let's mm-hmm. vocalize before we even get to tension, before mm-hmm. we get to resentment, before okay. we get through all those negative gross emotions, mm-hmm. let's get that out of the way and be like, Hey, your shoes it seems like not a big deal because I do it sometimes. Mm-hmm. My shoes are places, but they're just not as big. No mm-hmm. one trips on them. <laughs> Yours are triple the size of mine. Triple the size. <laughs> so yeah, I think well, that and, that's kind of how it normally goes. Yeah. And that's so good because I do think, I think the laughter and the joking can be beneficial. And we always talk about that. Like there's a little truth in every joke. So if you're making a joke about something like we know, right, we're actually feeling something. We're feeling some way yeah. about it. 
but it cannot get passive aggressive because that is awful. Yes. Yeah. Like sarcasm. I am so against sarcasm. I mean, we are, we're playful, like we'll roast each other, yes, but we, yes. we know when is the time, like when the time is that we can roast and we know when there is a limit. And I just think if you're, I got called out years ago for going to a community group that Jesse couldn't come to because he's working or something and essentially just talking about him like the whole time mm. and just saying like, I need advice. I need da da da. And I had, um, a pastor's wife call me and basically just said like, which I, I appreciate she didn't do it in front of everybody. Totally. And she just said, Hey, I would just recommend like, if you're seeking counsel that I want that, I really encourage you though, to come with your husband and to speak in a way, because it can come off very gossipy and, mm. and dishonoring. And I was like, Ooh, okay. You're right. Like you're so right. I literally bashed him in front of our whole community group and he didn't have a chance to defend himself. Yeah. And so I think it's like, sometimes you see that you'll be in a group setting and you'll, you'll see couples badgering at one another or like bickering or putting one another down. Yeah. And I will preach to the rooftops that no matter what, it doesn't matter what's going on in your marriage, you praise your spouse in public, no matter Mm -hmm. what, because when you do that and when you let the sarcasm go and you, you spree, that's another breathing life thing. Like you're breathing life into them by saying, you should have seen how well he was like handled the kids meltdown today. He was like a super dad, or you should see how he's been handling like the chaos of our house, you know, whatever it is that breathes life and it pours into your home once you get back home. And so I think those things are so important. It is, it's like the tone that you say things in, but also going back to the shoes, I think it's so good because sometimes, and I love that he's like, you know what? Okay. I got this. And there's going to be moments he fails and it's frustrating and he's not going to put him away. But one thing that we've really realized, and I mentioned this briefly, but is you have those weaknesses and your strengths and you grow up with different experiences, different standards, especially men, they get babied a whole lot. That's why I'm like, my boys will be gentlemen. Like I am going to put you to work at age four. (laughs) It is happening. But, but there are men who are just not raised to like take care of themselves, essentially a lot of men. Yeah. And so you come into this marriage and it doesn't mean we justify or ignore it. They are called to grow and to be leaders, but they have certain things that we don't, and we have certain things that they don't. So sometimes I've, I've, we've gotten to a point where we're like, okay, Jesse thrives at organization. I have ADD. I do not, I cannot, I start one thing. I go to the next, I go. So we're like, okay, we sit down on our Sunday meetings, which is just our meeting where we do finances, plan out our week, plan out our menu, talk about what Jesus is teaching us. We ask hard questions like, how have I served you well this week? How have I not loved you well this week? What are three things do to support you this month? Just have those conversations. And it kind of gets a lot of the nitty gritty out of the way. But also when we navigate that, I'm like, okay, I'm horrible organization. Can you take this on for me? I can't do it. Like I don't do it well. Yeah. And it's frustrating to me. And you're awful at putting your shoes away. So I'm going to just say, okay, he's got the organization. I can put the shoes and I'm not, I'm not putting this on you. This yeah, yeah, no, no, ample, you're good. Yeah. But I can put the shoes Perfect. away and put them in the closet or whatever. And it just helps the bitterness because it's like the peanut butter knife. I'm like, okay, <laughs> he makes breakfast for the kids every morning while I get my work done in the morning. So I'm like, that's huge. He also makes their lunches a lot of the time when they're in school. 
And I'm like, and I'm sitting here complaining about the knife. Like when he's done so much, Lindsay, put the knife away, put the knife in the sink and wipe the counter. It's, it is, it's a little thing. And so I think if we just kind of tone down expectations and also like give them the grace that we give ourselves, it makes a huge difference. Yes, absolutely. I I think you're so right. I think, and that's something that whenever you're entering into a marriage, you don't anticipate having to do. Mm-hmm. And even whenever you're, I mean, even before we had Goldie, I feel like it was such a breeze. And then when this third person was added into the mix, I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. So surely you don't know what you're doing. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. the grace that we both need, we have to give each other. And I, I'm just, I'm excited to, continue to put these things in play, but do better at it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like all right. You guys have, it seems like you have great communication. And I think that is the start of everything. Like having the willingness to talk about the hard things is really, really important. Even sex. That's something we talk about. Like talking about sex is so crucial for a marriage. It's so uncomfortable, especially if you're like raised in the church and it's this dirty, nasty thing. So do it with the person you love. Like it's such a twisted view Mm -hmm. that it can be uncomfortable. But once you start communicating like your likes and dislikes and the reasons that you are not feeling in the mood and having the, the ability to say like, Hey, let me actually show you what works for me. What doesn't work for me? So uncomfortable, but imagine a year from then, how different your relationship could look and your intimacy could look, which is created by God as a beautiful gift. We see it throughout scripture. It's not a dirty, nasty thing. So how can we communicate about it in a way that causes us and helps us to thrive? Definitely. And, and going off of just what you said quickly is I think we do have really great communication, Justin and I, but that just shows me how much more we can improve and how much more, how far we've come and how much more I want to manage expectations of people who are dating and engaged as they go into marriage or are in early, you know, years of marriage, Mm -hmm. because we're still, it's still something that you have to work on where we've been together nine years, like Mm -hmm. that many years later, you know, like you do have to always be working on these things and improving these things because all those question marks that we were that I was talking about earlier, again, you're yeah. answering these questions together and there's still more popping up. Yeah. So I'd love to hear something from you. It's just what's one thing that we can do today to connect with our spouse of those who are of us who are married? Yes. Um, I would say, I mentioned this before, but I think this is one of the biggest things that anybody can do is greet them at the door. So mm, yeah. whether that's you coming home or them coming home, how shocked <laughs> would your spouse be? Let's be honest. Like when we were dating, I'd like jump in Jesse's arms when I saw him or like snuggle him like crazy and life happens. You have kids. It It's just, you become comfortable and yeah. that's what we're fighting against. And the wife project, the intimacy project is the comfort. Like we're fighting against the comfort, comfortability and the stagnancy. So If you put it down, you're going to feel maybe embarrassed. You're going to feel uncomfortable if this is not something you're used to, but you put everything aside, including your kid, because this is not a child-centered marriage, right? You want to be, you want your family dynamic to be what God has planned, which is Jesus first, your spouse, then your children, then your work. So Mm -hmm. if you put your child aside and let them see that, like that connectedness, yes, give them a big hug every single day. 
and you kiss them. And this could be when you say goodbye as well. You kiss them, you look in their eyes. How are you? How was your day? You know, whatever, whatever comes to mind. Yeah. And have that moment. I think you will see a shift in your relationship. I think you'll see a shift in your respect and in your love for one another because you're showing I value you. And mm-hmm. I think especially men really struggle with feeling like they're constantly needing to pr- improve themselves, like with their jobs or like they struggle yeah. with comparison just as we do. But my, and I will say my husband struggles with insecurity just as much as I do. Yeah. And when we're not giving and getting that, that attention at home or that love at home, it's really easy for our flesh to desire something else. Like it, that's, I mean, you see 40% of Christian marriages end in affairs. It's absolutely insane because you're longing for somebody else to give you that something. And when we speak life, when we look in one another's eyes, when we show you like, you look so good today, I have on my Instagram and my TikTok, a ton of different like, um, days of increasing intimacy. And then also questions to ask each other and things to say to each other just to praise. Um, and I think when you do those things, you really will see a shift in your connectedness. Amazing. How can we learn more and keep up with you online? Because I know people be speeding to get all of your resources. <laughs> You're so sweet. Thank you. Yeah. I think if you go to living easy with Lindsay on Instagram, you can click the link in my bio. I have all of my courses and Ainsley, I'll send you a 20% off code for <gasps> My marriage Yay. project, which is the marriage project is life project and the intimacy project combined, but for a hundred dollars less. So then I'll give oh, you, amazing. it's just the bundle. So I'll give you 20% off for that. And then the others. And if you want to do the wife project from roommates to soulmates and intimacy project separately, you can do that as well. Um, and you can find that all the link in my bio. And then I also do have the permanently profitable Academy where I teach people how to do what I've done in building social media content, um, building courses, online courses, and making a, a business and a life out of it. And then my podcast living easy with Lindsay, and you can find pretty much any topic that you want on there. We're paused during the summer. So you'll have time to catch up if you haven't heard already. And that's about it. Amazing. I have just loved our conversation. I'm so thankful that you took the time and I'm just, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. You're very easy to talk to. I feel like this is so, it's just like chatting with a friend. So I appreciate you being so comfortable and creating comfortability. I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so, so much for spending time with us today and hanging out here on Wild Confidence. I hope that you feel encouraged and ready to tackle the day, feeling even more confident than you did before you started listening. I'd be so thankful if you left a review or shared this episode with a friend and I'll see you soon. Oh, don't forget. Let's connect on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Ainsley B and I hope to meet you there.